So we are doing chapter 41, Sai's Kindness and Conferring of Grace from Sai Satcharitra. My obeisance to Sri Ganesh, to Sri Saraswati, to Sri Guru Maharaj, to the family deity, to Sri Sita Ramachandra, my most humble obeisance, I bow in reverence to the most venerable Guru, Sri Sainath. Such is the greatness of Sai's story that however much you listen to it, needs no encouragement for listening further. And in fact, it is the listeners who themselves keep the earlier context in mind and are most attentive in listening. When the listeners themselves are so attentive, so attentive in listening to the story and already have such concentration, why then need one request their attention? Singing or listening to the greatness of one's guru, the mind will become purified and if his name is chanted, meditating on him steadily, then his form which brings the highest joy will appear to you. In the last chapter, it was narrated how the Udyapan of a vow was completed satisfactorily, giving the sign of reality of the dream. Similarly, now listen to the story about how a clay bass relief of Sai arrived in time and quite unexpectedly to satisfy the wish of the devotee. Once on the day of the holy festival, Sai came in the dream to say, I shall come for a meal today and fulfilled a heartfelt wish. The story has already been narrated in detail. But today listen to respectfully to the miracle as to how the bas relief came to the right time. Ali Muhammad narrated the story which I felt was most astonishing. But after all, was it not also one of the most amusing of Baba's Leelas? It was the same Ali Muhammad who had brought the bas relief at the right moment at noon, on the holy day, when we were about to sit for a meal and had delighted me. This is the earlier context of the story. Now, O oh listeners, be attentive and listen to the narration further. Sai's life story is more, most purifying. This is that fascinating story. The listeners are already attentive. The narrator is engrossed at Sai's feet and Sai's life is unfathomable. The very image of beneficence that Sai is, he wore out his body for the good of others and always in a state of being without enmity, had dedicated himself to the performance of good deeds. Whether it is a good state or bad, the body is never free from karma. So direct your mind at the Guru's feet with love. And then see for, see from your most excellent experience and with love for the Guru in your heart, how the Guru provides effortlessly subsistence and the protection to his devotee. See, in the last line it is mentioned, whether in a good state or bad, the body is never free from karma. Whether it's a good state or a bad means what? See, in the material world, we have the two states. Everything seems to be good and everything seems to be bad. Now, if we say that there is a good karma, what is the reverse of that? That means, let us say, for example, you have done good karma. That means you are eliminating the bad aspect of it. And when you have done a bad karma, you are actually eliminating the good aspect of it. See from it from this perspective. Let us say for example, I give 10 rupees to a man who is in need of the money. So what is the reverse of that? You have to be returned that 10 rupees back. It's always like that, isn't it? It's backward and forward. It's both the sides. You are supposed to give and you are supposed to get. What is this giving and getting mean? The giving and getting is only translated into that I owe him and he owes me back. So the good, it is good for you to give money and it is bad for you to receive it. Is that so? No. Here it is simply like this. You may want to correct your child and you give him one, one, you know, one rap. Now you are doing it for the goodness of the child. But how does the child look at it? The child looks at it as something bad. Now let us say for example you are doing something you know, evil in this world. Maybe you are somebody is robbing. Now what is the police doing? They are catching this fellow and putting him in the jail. Now, according to the police, they are doing the right thing. But what is it according to the person who is doing that? He thinks that it is the wrong thing that they are doing. 
so you will find that the bad and the good are existing simultaneously there is no way of knowing what is right and what is wrong see maybe you have not understood so i will explain one more further step let us say for example now you somebody is reading a holy text now the holy text belongs to another religion so what will the person immediately say oh you should not be reading this you know why so according to this person what you are doing is wrong whereas according to the one who is reading he is doing the right thing so it is a point of view everybody is is having a point of view the point of view exists and karma happens both ways this way as well as that way so if you beat somebody up the karma is that you are supposed to get the beating you get beaten the karma is that you are supposed to give him the beating is give and take so whether you like it or not if i give one gali to you you are supposed to return it back to me and there is no way in which the karma can ever get eliminated so i hope you understand the meaning of this whether in a good state or bad the body is never free from it there is no way in which you can get out of this karma but the way has been prescribed in the books read the bhagavad gita from there is prescribed in the books what is prescribed in the books it is saying direct your mind to the guru's feet with love okay and then see from your most excellent experience and with love for the guru in your heart how the guru provides effortlessly subsistence and protection to his devotee okay what it is translating into is this let us say for example you have lost literally everything okay you have no money left in this world or the one who was the provider is no longer there with you so from the karmic point of view have you not lost everything you have lost everything maybe you have lost a house your your money your power your everything you have lost but you have surrendered at the feet of your guru the moment you have surrendered at the feet of your guru what does he do he does two things one he takes care of your daily needs that means whatever subsistence is required he will provide for it he there is always going to be a provision so that you are no, never going to go hungry or you will not have a roof on on top of your head so these are two things which he is definitely going to provide he is not going to give you a, an alishan bangla or something like that <laughs> he is definitely going to give you a simple you know things okay that is one second thing which he does is the karmic loop which you have got into he is going to ensure that that loop is completely removed so even when krishna is saying you know krishna also says in one of the very beautiful verses that he has mentioned so what does he say that when you have surrendered to this person who is the knower of the truth you know the verse where it is he it says it's on this side just Give check it out okay so he says when you have surrendered to the knower of the truth he will ensure that you are removed from this particular domain of what is called the loops in the karma and this is this particular line over here also says the same thing and then see from your most excellent experience and with love for the guru in your heart how the guru provides effortlessly subsistence and a protection to his devotee what does he do what he does is very simply like this he gives you the technique he provides you with the technique of removing this karma completely from your system that is one and then another thing which he does is 
he ensures that you have provisions for taking care of yourself. Uh, this is chapter 4 in the Bhagavad Gita, verse 34. What does he say? What Krishna is saying? Understand the true nature of that knowledge by approaching the seers of truth. The seers of truth are the people, those who understand and can tell you about the truth. If you prostrate at their feet, render them service and question them with an open and a guileless heart, those wise seers of truth will instruct you in that knowledge. Got it? So even in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna has said the same words. So what happens? You have to surrender at the feet of the Guru. He will provide you with all these things effortlessly. That is a state not to be attained even from asking. But it can be attained only by swinging the praises of the Guru. What cannot be had even with the greatest effort comes to you on its own by the power of the Guru's grace. So the grace is very very important. Yesterday when we were talking about the first word that has to come in your dictionary should be faith. So the word called faith is very very important. That is where we all have to begin. Got it? Yesterday do you recollect the entire conversation? If you want I will repeat it for you. But the thing was very simply that you require a proof for the thing where there is no faith. So you go after things and you have to pile up proof and proof and proof and proof so that finally somewhere down the line by looking at the proof you will think oh, oh this is the right thing to do. But till that point you don't have proof of the pudding you don't know the truth. Correct? But whereas the scriptures, the God and the Guru is concerned, faith is all that you require. Then there is 100% faith, there is no need of any ascertainment. There is no need of any ascertainment, there is no proof required. Proof is required by those things which are not ascertained. If there is no faith, there is no faith then you require the proof. Second thing which you require over here is the surrender. The surrender is what is written over here. The third one is called devotion. See how the devotion is. It can be attained only by singing the praises of the Guru. What cannot be had even with the greatest effort comes to you on its own by the power of Guru's grace. Those who came with conceit to observe him critically returned with vanquished pride, happy in the great pleasure of his darshan. Success, wealth, generosity, knowledge, peace and detachments are the six virtues was Sai Sri Sai fully adorned as Sri Vishnu himself. Success, wealth, generosity, knowledge, peace and detachment. How great is our good fortune by virtue of which Sai, the cloud of universal consciousness, gave us darshan without our worshipping or offering him puja. It is said, where there is devotion, there is God. Remember the third word as I said to you, devotion. It's the most important word. And with us, devotion is wanting. We are wanting devotion means what? We are having less amount of devotion. If in the moment you have complete devotion, full 100% devotion towards your guru, then, then there is no need of anything else. But great indeed is this Sai who feels compassion for the poor and the meek. But now listeners listen to the detailed account of that Ali Muhammad narrated and you will know how incomprehensible is Sai's Leela and how great his power. One day in the city of Bombay, as I was walking on the road, I saw a trader selling beautiful pictures and a vast relief. Looking at those fine pictures of saints, Mahantas, Avaliyas, etc., I felt like finding out whose picture they were. So as I began to see them one by one, it was the beauty of the bas relief that appealed most to our heart. Moreover, it was my chosen deity too. Already there was a fondness for Sai. I saw his image in front of me. 
I was impatient to purchase it at once I paid its price in cash. I brought the bas relief home and hung it on the wall. Happily, I used to take his darshan every day, for I had great affection for Baba. Three months before I gave it to you, I was not in good health and stayed at the house of my brother-in-law in his company. Noor Muhammad Peer Boy was my brother-in-law. My leg was swollen and was operated upon. Being thus unwell, I stayed there for three months. And there no one was staying in the house during these three months. However, the famous Baba Abdul Rahman, Maulana Saab, Muhammad Hussain, Sai Baba and Baba Tajuddin, they did not leave my house. These are the pictures that were there in his house. Beautiful pictures of all these and others like them were on the wall in my house. But even they were not free from the wheel of fortune. Such was my distressing condition here. But why this sade sati for these pictures? I feel once a thing is created, its destruction too is inevitable. However, when such was the state of affairs, how Sai alone was exempt from it? There is something which nobody has been able to tell me till today. You hear the story about this form from the beginning and you will simply amazed. You will also realize Sai's oneness with all things animate and inanimate and his ingenuity which is inconceivable. A small picture of Baba Abdul Rahman was in the possession of Muhammad Hussain, known by the nickname Thariya. Many years ago he had given me a copy of it, which I had given to my brother-in-law who was his disciple. Even with him it was lying in the drawer on the table for full eight years. Once he came across it casually and quite unexpectedly, so he took it to the shop of a photographer in Bombay. He got a fine print made from it and of the great Baba Abdul himself in order to take to him at a present expecting him to be pleased and he overcome with love on seeing it. He got copies made from it and gave them to all the relatives and close friends. One of these copies was given to me too and I had put it on the wall. When the Darbar of Abdul Rahman was assembled, Nur Muhammad was all set to present the most exquisite picture to the saint. On seeing the picture and realizing his intentions, Abdul Rahman became very angry and got up to beat him. Treating him with indignity, he drove him away. Due to this, his face became very sad and he became greatly worried. Being humbled and pitiful, he became agitated in his mind and dejected. Not only has money been spent, but an obstacle has come in the way of the Guru's grace. Today, I, who was blessed with the Guru's grace, have become the cause of his displeasure. So saying, with a mind full, filled with doubts, he began immersing them in water. See, in all this, uh, you must have seen during our last uh, so many chapters that we have done, Baba sometimes used to get very angry and he used to run with that stick in his hand. Okay, And here also you will find that this saint has got very angry with this person who has joined in and he was trying to take the blessing by showing the photograph to him. Imagine that same saint gets completely you know angry with him and asks him to get out now at such point in time it becomes very very difficult for that individual to go through that whole thing imagine getting insulted in front of hundreds of people or thousands of people sitting over there it is like as if some big thing has fallen on top of the head now, you should not be bothered at that point in time. What is the botheration that a person has? Oh, I was insulted. Isn't that what the botheration is all about? See, the botheration should not be that. Because it is not an insult that is there. What is being told to you at that point in time is a particular methodology or that the saint is so much interested in your welfare that he is trying to cover you up from something which you might fall into a trap or something like that. What is the trap over here? The trap is this that Islam doesn't allow pictures of saints to be put up. There should be no picture of any saint anywhere, any man, no picture of any Allah over there. Incidentally, you cannot even have a drawing of Muhammad, the great uh, prophet. You cannot even have that. That is the reason why when all these great, uh, you know, the stories which have happened in the past, 
like Salman Rushdie and all that, this happened because there are scriptures in, in Islam, in, in the Quran, which specifically states that you should not have these kind of pictures or things in your house or anywhere. So, if that is the case, as per Quran, as per the books, yeah. the reason is that these are strictures. Strictures. Strictures means that which you cannot do. See, in certain religion, it is mentioned that you can have four wives. Now, you try that in Hinduism, you will get into big trouble with the government. The second time also you get married. But in Islam, it is allowed. It is because the, that particular religion is based on a certain tenet, a religious tenet, which is the prescribed tenet. Now, in this book, how many times have we read that some of these Hindu Brahmanas had two wives and so on and so forth? Have you read it? The laws of monogamy or basically what is called as a single person, say one wife and one husband, came into the picture because of governmental rules and regulations and not because it, that is the mandatory requirement. No, I am sorry, it is not. The government has come up with certain rules and regulations. It is quoting a certain things and that is the only reason why it says so. We are doing a very beautiful episodes on the television which is talking about polygamous and polyamorous type of a relationship. In the Mahabharata. Here we have Draupadi and we have five husbands. And there we have one man and so many wives. Now you will wonder why is this kind of a discrepancy there. But that could be the, yes, it could be like Padma has written. That is the law of the land. It's something which is mentioned in that particular book. It is okay. See, in Christianity, to go for a divorce is not allowed. If you are a Roman Catholic, it's a strict no-no. You cannot even do that. You have to take the Pope's permission. And only in very, very dire or extreme circumstances will the permission be granted. It's a very strict process. You cannot even do that. So, the reason why these are very, very, very strict things in this world. So, in the same way, Quran states that you cannot have a picture. Again, the Bible also states that you cannot pray to a stone statue. It's mentioned in the Bible. Idolatry as we call it. Idolatry. You must have heard of this word. Idolatry is not allowed. Hinduism is all about idolatry. You make a statue, you put the gods over there. It is based on every individual taste. You cannot say that this is right or that is right. Everybody has his own taste. Everybody has his own way of looking at it. The same person what we say as one of the avatars of Vishnu preaches atheism. Now you will wonder why is Vishnu preaching atheism? Of course he preaches as an avatar of Buddha. In Buddhism is based purely on atheism. So we say that Buddha is an avatar of Vishnu. And is he not preaching as atheism? Okay, that is the reason that that is the requirement of that particular religion. We can't do anything about it. So, if you want to follow that, yes, it is there. You want to follow this, yes, it is there. You want to follow something else also, it is possible. So, who is right and who is wrong? It is your individual perspective. Okay? Now, in there is a, the same thing is mentioned in different places by different names. You know, in... Uh, in Marathi, we say Karanji. Karanji, you know? Yes. Okay, what do you call it in Kannada? Don't know. Okay, it is that sweet thing. Half moon shaped. Half moon shaped. Inside there is a filling and it is deep fried. Okay. I don't know what it is called. But you go to every part of India, it is made. Okay. And it is told in different places by different different names. In Gujarat, it is called Gugra. 
Now you say Gugra, I I ate Gugra over there, and somebody will say no, I ate Karanji over here. Okay, sir, you are calling the same thing by different name, but again you are calling it by in in your language it is one thing. So this is the reason. Now there was a very funny incident which happened just a few days ago. Okay, the thing is, I uh, they, I said I want to drink coffee. So they say, okay, this is a Bali coffee. You can have. It's a black color coffee. What do you put in that? Think susu. about it. You put susu in it, okay, and then you put gula in it. Now you will wonder, what is this susu and gula? Susu means milk, <laughs> and gula means sugar. Now the <laughs> now the same term susu in India has got a different meaning. <laughs> so it brought a smile to your your you know your face. You put susu in it. How funny can it sound? <laughs> so everywhere there are different things, but actually they mean the same. Even in the in Hinduism, we are talking about the divine unmanifest. Okay, what is Allah all about? The divine unmanifest. What is Father in heaven all about? The divine unmanifest. End of the day, everything is going to one direction only. <laughs> but but because we come to one layer lower, one down, one down, one down, so everybody wants to have their own methodology. So we cannot say who is right or who is wrong. Everybody has their own perspective. Okay. So he said, these pictures of the saints should never be kept in the house because of them. I have lost my guru's love. Why then this ungainful effort? The picture due to which my guru was displeased with me will sometime or the other harm me. It's of no use to me. That too was a way of worshipping the idol. Which if my guru does not like, then causing him displeasure, what is the use to me? Even though much money has been spent to collect these pictures, there is no way now but to immerse them in water. See how beautiful this thing is. He was not thinking that he's got insulted. What is he thinking about? That I am going to lose my guru's grace. Why? Because of those silly pictures. I can I can throw them in the water. It does not matter. It really does not matter. The displeasure of the guru is not to be taken for very lightly. So, always remember whatever is important that has to be done, even if it is going against your your dearest wishes. If there is something to be done, you have to do it. So taking the photograph with him, my brother-in-law went to the wharf to immerse it in the water and would not have given it to anyone even if asked for. He went straight to Apollo Bandar, hired a boat and sailing as far as the water he could, ultimately consigned it to the water. Apollo Bandar is a place where the gateway of India is. That place is called Apollo Bandar, gateway of India. You must have heard of it. And he did not stop at that, but started the same procedure at Bandra after collecting all the photographs by entreating the relatives and friends to whom he had given them. He said to them, Baba Abdul is very angry, so whosoever has the photographs should return them to me, for they must be immersed. Thus he requested them all. From me too he took the copy which he had given also, so also from my brother and my sister. Thus he got hold of the six copies. Then taking all the copies and filled with anger, he reached to see at the sea at Bandra, where the stretch of land ends and water begins. Calling a fisherman to him, he entrusted all these pictures of him and got them immersed in the waters of the sea. I too was ill at the time and staying with him. So he advised me similarly, saying that these pictures being calamities. Hence, what you collect, all of them and immerse them in the sea. Only then you will get rid of your illness. Know this for sure. So I also called my Mehta, assistant and gave him the keys, asking him to bring all the photographs of the saints from my house, which I then entrusted to my brother-in-law to be disposed of. At once he sent for the gardener and got them immersed at the hands of the sea waters near the Chimbai temple. Chimbai temple is a place where Rajesh Khanna used to stay. Okay, now Shah Rukh Khan stays and I think Sachin has also got some property there. Chimbai village is in Bandra. My home ground, okay. After two months had passed and I felt better as I went back to my house, I was most astonished. On seeing the bas relief which I gave you, still on the wall facing the door as before, I was greatly surprised. The Mehta had got bought all the pictures, then how did he miss only this bas relief? So I took it down at once and hid it in a cupboard. 
If my brother-in-law were to see it, he will immediately take it away from me to immerse it in water. So I felt in my heart. It is no use keeping it in my house. For the moment my brother-in-law would see it, he would immerse it. But I could not give it away with any certainty to someone who was not a devotee. Always remember this, that please don't give things to a person who doesn't care for it. See, what happens is, suppose we, we uh, now I buy a very beautiful picture of say, Radha Krishna. Can I give it to somebody who doesn't even care for that? No, I cannot. You have to be very, very careful of what you give that individual. So, always remember this. Don't give things to a person who doesn't care for those kind of things. Alright? <clears throat> Hence, I must find a proper place. He who will keep it safe and look after it well only to such a person should be entrusted. Okay. Okay, I missed one line. If I were to give it to someone without due consideration and it was not looked after properly, there would always be the restlessness in my mind. This was my constant worry for a long time. Hence, I must find a proper place. He will keep it in safe. Who, who will keep it in safe and look after it well? Only to such a person should it be entrusted. When my mind was in such a dilemma, Sai himself inspired a good idea in my mind that I should go to the Darbar of Maulana and narrate the whole account to Ismu. At once, I went to the Darbar of Pir Maulana and in private narrated the whole story very respectfully to Mujavarismu. He both decided that we should remain safe with you, so we both made such a resolve on the same day that this bas relief of Samar Sai should be kept at your house and that we should present it to you ourselves so that it will remain at the proper place. As per that firm resolve, we presented it to you and seeing that your meal was all ready, I came back immediately. You did not have the time to listen to the long story, so thinking that I would tell you leisurely, sooner or later I came back. I postponed postponing it from day to day, nine whole years have passed by, when today quite unexpectedly we have met each other. So I remembered this old story and you also told me of the marvel of your dream, which has the most remarkable connection with my story. Is this not a wonderful Leela? Now, O listener, listen to another story with full attention as to how very affectionately Sai treated his loving devotees. Those who are truly fond of the spiritual path are very dear to Sai. Removing all the difficulties, he helps them attain a state of self-possession. In his connection, in this connection, there is a fascinating experience where fulfilling the fond wishes of Bala Sahib Dev, Baba helped him carry out his resolve and also inspired devotion in him along with it. Dev had no other means of earning a livelihood and by serving in the job during the day. But then, why should obstacles come in the way of the spiritual sadhana at night? For a long time, he had wished to read Jnaneshwari regularly, every day. But due to some obstacle or the other, he would not fulfill his wish. But unlike the one chapter of Bhagavad Gita, which he read every day, his resolve to read one chapter of Jnaneshwari could not be carried out without some obstacle arising. Incidentally, Bhagavad Gita and Jnaneshwari is one and the same. Jnaneshwari is an exposition on the Bhagavad Gita done by Santa Jnaneshwar. He had given this exposition at the behest of his guru. His guru was his elder brother. His elder brother had told him, you can you can do the exposition in front of... So every day he would do this kind of an exposition in different different villages. And that is Jnaneshwari. Other books when taken in hand were read with regularity. But with Jnaneshwari for reading, which he had such a keen desire, the resolve could not be carried through. Once Deo went on three months leave and went to Shirdi, from there he proceeded to the house at Pound to enjoy some rest and leisure. There too all the work was complete. The poti that he used to read daily was read regularly, but the fond desire for Nyaneshwari remained unfulfilled in turn, never came. His turn never came. Whenever he took up Nyaneshwari to read, some doubt and misapprehensions would arise in his mind, which led only to a superficial reading without inspiring any genuine love for it. I am sure, you know, this is the same thing which happens with most of the people. You know what happens? Sometimes you can pick up a certain book. You try reading half a line or one line. After that, something or the other will happen and you will close the book and keep it away. You try it at least 10 times also. So you can try it as many times as you want to. The book will never open up. The reason is because there are certain things that have to be completed before the book can open up for you. And these are the tenets, these are the requirements for the book to open up. And there has to be something which is very, very important. 
the permission has to come from the higher authority. Here you will find that the higher authority is the Guru himself. Sai is going to give the permission, then only the thing will open up. And you can try your level best. You will find that there are people who have asked for a particular book to be read and it has never opened up for that person for many years. And suddenly one fine day when they come, it might have just been that, okay, I want to see what there is. And then they get the permission and the book opens up. And then you are able to read the whole thing fully. And that is how it works. And the result made with such a heartfelt longing was not carried out successfully. In fact, even five verses could not be read every day regularly. So then, I made such an earnest resolve to read at least five verses daily. But even then were not being read by me regularly with any enthusiasm. So then I decided that when Sai himself is inspiring me with love and tell me to read, only then will I make a beginning without any doubt in my mind. When Sai gave the command, only then will I read Raneshwari without reposing full faith in Sai's feet. Such was the firm resolve that I made. When the Mahodaya Parva came, the Dev went to Shirdi with his mother, sister, etc. to see the glorious spectacle of Guru Puja. Guru Puja is done when? On the Guru Purnima day. Yes. See, there are two, two times in the year when the Guru's Puja is done. Here you will say, a certain festival, a day of synchronization of the day, that is Sunday, the nakshatra and the titi that change the moon in February, which yields great merit to one who performs any meritorious deeds. That is a day that is written over here, Mahodaya Parva. But basically, there are two dates which normally are taken into consideration. One is the Guru Purnima, which is sometime in the month of July. I think this year it is on the 12th of July. And the second one is the day when the Guru has come into existence or when he has taken a birth or when he's he's manifested himself, that is a day when these kind of the things are done. They are called Guru Puja. There Job asked Dev, why did you not read Jnaneshwari regularly these days? Listening to the reply that he gave. Listen to the reply that he gave. I have a keen desire for reading Jnaneshwari, but I am not able to fulfill it successfully. Now when Baba himself asked me to read, only then will I read it. So, Jog told him a trick. Bring a pothi of Jnaneshwari and give it in the hands of Sai Baba. When he gives it back to you, then you should start reading it. I need no such tricks. Baba knows my mind. Then why does he not fulfill the desire of my heart and say, clearly read? <laughs> there are two things over here. One is, one of the devotees saying, you bring that book, give it in the hand of Baba and he will give it to you and then you can start reading. But here, the proof is required. So, Baba said, Jog is saying, no, no, I want the proof. He should tell me directly. See, there is a <laughs> dichotomy over there. So, let us see what happens. Then when he took darshan of Samarth, he offered one rupee at his feet. Why only one? Bring twenty, said Baba to him. So, he brought twenty rupees and gave to him. At night, Deva met Balakram. So, he asked him about the earlier incident as to how he won Baba's grace. I will tell you everything tomorrow after the Aarti. Balakram assured him. All right, said Dev to him. The next day when Dev went to the mosque for darshan, Baba again asked him for 20 rupees, which Dev gave very gladly. Seeing the place so crowded, Dev stood aside. Baba said, where, where is hidden? Where is he hidden in some awkward place in all this crowd? Dev replied, here, here I am, Baba. So Baba then asked him, why did you give me only seven? Dev said, I gave 20. Whose is the money? asked Baba. Baba, it is yours. He said, then why are you running away? Come, come here and sit near me with your mind at ease. Deva fully obeyed at command. The Aarti took place as usual and people went back to their respective homes. Deva made Balakram and began to ask the same questions as before. He asked him for an account of what had happened earlier. Balakram also told him everything from beginning to end. Deva then said to him, how did he guide you to the Upasana? See, in the previous line, there was some very beautiful mention, but I don't know how many people actually understood. So, I'll just give you an idea about it. The question that was asked was, give me 20 rupees. So, he gave 20. Again, he says, give me 20. He gave 20. Baba says, you have given me only 7. See, if you see the dialogue, it tells you that there is some error somewhere, isn't it? Actually, there is no error. 
there is no error over here the thing that is important is what is it that you are doing see when somebody is keeping track of what they are doing that means what you are a munimji you know understand munimji the one who writes the accounts the one who writes the accounts the moment you say that i have given you 40 rupees you don't remember that i gave you 40 the answer could have been from dev that i gave you 20 and now you are telling me lie and you are thinking that i am a liar i gave you only 7 that's ego which comes in the way the ego should never come in the way so what is the answer the answer is so beautiful the answer he says whose money is it translate this into hindi paisa kiska hai you get this point so immediately the answer is sab aap hi ka hai baba then you will understand the truth in this if you see it in english english will have no value you got the point in english the value becomes whose money is it it is yours baba it doesn't give you that punch now translate it into hindi or in kannada or whichever language then you will understand the meaning imagine this verse and imagine the way it has to be said if that word becomes wrong whose money is it it's my money your ego has come into play mera paisa hai i gave you 20 rupees maine tumko 20 rupees diya that's your ego talking don't you understand that your entire salary is coming by his grace only <laughs> so they understand this that the entire salary or whatever that he is doing is coming by the grace of sainath only so the answer is perfect the answer is this it's yours so baba is asking him so if it is mine then why are you running away so don't stand in that corner come here sit next to me so the aarti took place as usual and people went back to their respective homes dev met balakram and began to ask the same question as before he asked him for an account of what happened earlier balakram also told him everything from the beginning to the end dev then said to him how did he guide you in the upasana did he tell you how to meditate on the brahma do satisfy my desire for knowledge dev requested upasana upasana is the sadhana that is given to you by your guru you see guru normally tells you some things to do incidentally if you see there was this episode where krishna tells the pandavas i cannot guide you this time because you are going on your agyatvasa 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 means you cannot be found out okay so if krishna says oh I go over here that what does it mean that means uh, it is gyatvas isn't it everybody knows about it so krishna says a very funny thing you know what he says what is the word he says uh, he says sare virat mein tum kahin bhi dikhna nahi so he says a very beautiful line he says in this entire virat you should not be seen anywhere now the funny part of this line is this that he has given an answer but the answer is is a riddle the answer is a riddle the riddle is he is telling you go to virat desh <laughs> you understand so what does the guru always tell you is he is actually giving you the answer but the answer is always in a coded form the thing is it's very very important to understand and crack the code he says it very casually he'll just say it, oh i say you know like very very simply he will say suppose you ask him the question um uh, what should i do now what am i to tell you i don't even know see i myself don't know anything about it i am a very poor man i don't understand a word of what you say and exactly if you see this mahabharat you will find that krishna talks this language only he will say i don't know i am nobody i never understand these are the words he always uses don't get conned by what he says okay he is actually giving you an answer the answer is there in the codes that is why this is a codex it's a codex okay marathi mein usko bolta koda hai koda hai means it is a puzzle 
okay so these words you, you have to understand they are written in very coded form they are told the answer is already told to you but you don't you have to actually think of what is the answer that he has given suppose somebody says the guruji i want to do this so guruji will say i don't know understand baba all those big big words that you are using you know very simple words if you use maybe i will understand a little bit so but you know i want to do this go do i don't understand you see when i understand then i will let you know in the entire sentence you will find that this the confusion is you are you are trying to think oh what is he trying to say i he still not giving me the answer but you missed out the line go do <laughs> just the word the go do part is missed out completely this is a trick it's a very very beautiful trick which is played the reason why it is is because the onus never should go to you the onus will never go to you the moment the onus goes to you then what happens you get into a karmic loop so the guru is a very chalu person okay <laughs> he <laughs> always talk in very funny language and the funny language is what you need to understand so you know even baba used to talk in these kind of coded languages so you will find that every word in this or even the bhagavad gita for that matter or any other book that is there it is all in codex it is not a, nobody is able to crack it because first you have to know what he is speaking so so how did he give you the upasana this is where we stop the upasana means what a particular sadhana he tells you okay go and do this so you wonder you know He still not told me what am I supposed to do? What is he saying? What am I supposed to do? So you will wonder, you know. Next time when I meet him, I have to ask him the question. You, am I supposed to do meditation? Am I supposed to do this pranayama and maybe you know maybe ten rounds of this kind of bhatrika and this and that? He is not even telling me one line of all these things. Then after a lot of thinking, you will say. i don't know maybe next time but anyway he's given me this story book he's told he's given me this very small story book or something like that yeah ramkrishna ji's book you know maybe i'll read it as a story book did you did you listen to what i said it's not a story book it has been sent to you for a certain reason boss <laughs> it's an instruction you better read it you got the point it's an instruction given in a form of a story book you may think you is just given a story book and come okay fine but he is not given me any instruction sorry you have missed out the entire point the instructions are already there it's there in your hand and you are reading it this is the funny part in it so and the upasanas can be different from different people for some people it can be physical some sort of a physical activity so the person will say now guruji what should i do i don't know maybe you know i don't know what what i doing just now at this moment oh i am doing a job in this particular company ah good good very good continue guruji but upasana what should i be doing what sadhana are you requesting me to do i mean i i sincerely am asking you your permission can you please tell me what should i do should i get up early in the morning at 4:30 5 o'clock no no nothing like that you are not supposed to do it you just go and do your prayers no normal prayers so you think the prayers is what he's told you did you not listen to the words he's told you very quietly go and do your job he has given you this very big codex which you have to crack it he's told you he asked you a very simple question the question was what are you doing nowadays i'm working over here oh very good very good do it come on what else you missed out that little line over there and that is where you have to be very careful it is so very important so and that is what is called upasana upasana need not be some great thing that you got to do climbing mountains and doing all sorts of puja part and all no nothing like that got it so did he tell you how to meditate on the brahma do satisfy my desire for knowledge dear requested and as balakram also began to answer him to satisfy his desire baba himself sent for dev 
How affectionate is Sai? He sent Chandru to call Dev. Without a moment's delay, Dev came to meet Sri Sai. It was four o'clock in the afternoon and he saw Sri Sai before him, leaning both his hands on the parapet of the mosque. On reaching there, Dev at once made obeisance. Baba then asked him a question. Where and with whom were you conversing? Dev replied, I was listening to your own glory from Balakram on the upper floor of Kaka's Vada. Bring twenty-five rupees. Baba commanded Dev. Immediately he bought the rupees and offered them to Baba. How many have you bought? Said Baba. Twenty-five. Said Dev. Come, come sit with me. So he went to the mosque with Baba. Baba sat near the pillar. There was no one else in the mosque. He said, you have stolen my piece of rag without my knowledge. I do not roam of any rag. Dev assured him. So Sai said to him, then it must be somewhere here now. Only, where is there any rag? Where is any rag here? Said Dev at that time. Baba got up saying, you search for it. This tendency of yours is evil. Maybe some mischievous child has taken it. See, see, it must be here somewhere. Hearing this, Dev began to search, searching further, but could not find it. Wrinkling his eyebrows, looking around here and there, Sai glared at Dev and she roared at him, saying, You are yourself a cheat. Who else expect you to come at this time to steal a piece of rag? I regard you and you alone as this thief. Hmm? Here, that you have come with this, is it to steal? Grey as your hair has turned into black, not in the least have you gotten rid of your bad habits. What is a bad habit here? The bad habit is very simply this. When you know the king, why are you going and asking his courtier somewhere out over there? You understand? When you know the king directly, why are you going round and round the mulberry bush? Can you not directly ask him the question? See, people are afraid. They, they think that, you know, some, some person who can do a lot of maskawaji, you know, you should tell him. And then maybe he will tell the big boss upstairs. Why? Why do you want the middleman? <laughs> so this is it. Here, that you have come like this to, is to steal. Grey as your hair has turned into black, not in the least that you have got rid of your bad habit. I will strike you with an axe. I will cut you up. I will kill you. Where can you escape from my hands? Maruntakin Mithula. <laughs> can you imagine? In Marathi, we keep on translating this whole thing. Ni maja kuradi Mithula. Mahanun karin. Tala manin Mithula. Those kind of things. And imagine Baba standing over there and doing all sorts of things. You know? He's taking his... <laughs> yeah, he's called Chindi Chor. <laughs> yeah, a lot of dramatics over there. Actually, if you don't have any dramatics, you know, then, then everything becomes so simple, simple. Then you don't want to hear anything. So there has to be a lot of these, you know, dhamal, masti over there. So, where you go? There I will kill you. To Shirdi you come all the way from home. Is it to steal? Take back your money and bring me my piece of rag. Sai turned red in the face with anger, indulging in abuses and the wildest terms. Abuses and curses, curses reigned in a torrent. He seemed to be burning with fury. They all looked at with uh, with affectionate awe and admiration at Sainath with filled with rage. This is a time where you have to become very calm. This is the most important thing. Just because the Guru is got getting angry, he is showing his dramatics and all that, don't get carried away by what he is doing. Because what he is doing is for a certain reason. You don't know the reason. Okay. Abuses and curses reigned as torrent. He seemed to be burning with fury. Dev looked on with affection and awe and admiration at Sainath was filled with rage. He stood speechless with an astonished mind. Dev was all alone with him and it looked as though he was in for a good beating. Or maybe Baba was revealing the wondrous vision of the cosmic, cosmic form that is Vishwaswarup. And then he thought and, and then the thought filled his heart with joy. Will he now pick up the baton and strike vehemently? I am trapped in his hands being all alone. But let him do what he wants. And yet, what is this puzzle about the rag? It was something that Dev just could not resolve. At the same time when Baba said, Go, get out of here. He then moved towards the steps. I am powerless to know the secret meaning of this piece of rag. But for Sai's grace, when I know it, I shall narrate it to the listeners. After about 12 minutes, Dev again came back before Baba. The shower of abuses still continued. Why have you come up? Baba said, Go away, go to the Vada. On hearing this, Dev obeyed the command respectfully and made her obeisance to the feet, returned to the Vada. He then narrated from the beginning and in detail the Jog and Balakram, all that had happened as it took place. Then for about 24 minutes or so, the volley of abuses and curses were being fired. 
After four or five hours had elapsed, Baba himself began to call people to him. They also went there and sat among them. Sai said, The old man must have felt hurt. After all, of what importance is the mere piece of a rag? Yet I wounded his feeling with a torrent of abuses, but he has stolen it. Then what can I do? I could not help saying it, but Allah will see everything. He too will bless him. Then that ever-forgiving Sri Sai said, Bhau, will you give him Dakshina? How much shall I bring? Asked Dev. Bring twelve, quickly. And when Dev looked into his pocket, there was only a note for which he could not get the chain. Dev said to Baba, Let it be. I do not want, Baba said. In the morning, you gave me twice. I did not remember. Yet Dev obtained the required amount and gave it to Baba, making obeisance at the feet. Listen to the words that came from Baba. What do you do these days? Nothing much. You remember? This is the line I used just now. What do you do today? The very innocuous words there, they sound like as if, oh, so what are you doing nowadays? Huh? It sounds so very simple. But they have so much of deeper meaning. Nothing much, said Dev. So he commanded, go on reading the pothi regularly. You should go and sit in the vada and read the pothi regularly. Every day and while reading, keep on giving exposition faithfully to all. When I sit there ready to give you the whole shela, resplendent of the jari work, why do you go steal pieces of rag? Why do you indulge in this habit of stealing? Thus the words from the Sai's mouth. Do the reading of the pothi give me an inner mark that I became very happy. See this mark. Read the pothi. Pothi is this holy book that we do, you know. This is called the pothi. Obeying the command respectfully, I thus began reading the Nyaneshwari from that day regularly and also began giving an exposition while reading. I got the command that I wished for and the anxiety of my heart that was under a vow was laid to rest. From hence, I shall now be able to read Nyaneshwari with regularity. Now I am under the command of the Guru and Nyaneshwar himself will be pleased with me. Whatever has happened so far is now left behind. But hereafter, I must read regularly. My own mind is my witness. In addition, Sai's command is the only measure of truth for me. On the strength of his command, the repeated reading of the Pothi will take place without any difficulty. Baba, I prostrate in obeisance and surrender to you single-mindedly. Take this child under your wing and get the reading done by me. Now I realize what that rag meant. It was really what I had asked Balakram. And this is what Sai did not like and which filled him with rage. Baba did not like that I asked Balakram as to how he was guided by the proper Upasana to the meditating on the Brahma. When there he was, all too ready to answer any question, why should I inquire about these matters independently from Balakram? Hence the great harassment. But to say harassed, is itself a daring statement. He who is overflowing with love for the devotee and will not even dream of harassing them for himself harasses is certainly the most inappropriate work. He did not harass but taught me that whatever wish arises in your mind, it is I myself who will fulfill it. What is stolen can never what is stolen can never be of any use. That means you don't need to ask somebody else to ask somebody. Then no, please, can you not ask directly to the person concerned? The Guru is there, you just directly ask him. There is no need to go around the bush because it is very, very important to come straight to the point. Although outwardly Sai appeared to be angry in his heart, he was always filled with joy. He looked infuriated with rage from outside, but inwardly he was happy and content. The customary pettiness of anger from outside, while the glory of blissful joy within, such was Sai, to sing the magnificence of those whose leelas, great good fortune is necessary. He in whose heart there is a keen desire to achieve the own good will regard the abuses and curses as a shower of flowers being quick to see his own benefit in it. This is the line. Very important. He in whose heart there is a keen desire to achieve his own good will regard the abuses and the curses as a shower of flowers being quick to see his own benefit in it. Listening to the harsh vulgar words did not swerve Deo's mind. His heart overcome with a deep love he felt there was a battering with flowers. From the milk-filled teats of the cow, only the fortunate one will get the milk. But the leech that clings to the teat will have nothing but impure blood as its lot. The frog has lotus roots for its neighbor. But where the black bee with his boundless good fortune drinks freely from the nectar from the nectar of the lotus. So the luckless frog, the feast is of mud and mire. So are you the fortunate ones. We have met each other. Ask what you want and get your doubts resolved. So said Sai. Just see how my obstinate insistence that I will not open Nyaneshwari until Baba said read was readily complied with by Baba. This is a story of the sweet experience of how mother indulges her child by fulfilling his fond wishes and it confirms one in one's devotion. 
Nor did Baba stop at yelling, telling me to read," said Deo. But hardly had the year ended when he gave Darshan, appearing in my dream, and inquired after it. Listen to this. It was on Thursday, the second of April, in the year nineteen fourteen, when I received the grace in a dream at dawn. Sai Samarth came in my dream. He was sitting on the upper story of the Vada. He asked me, "Do you understand the poti?" I replied in the negative. He came to the next question. When is it going to be understood? Tear wells up in the, in my eyes, and what did I say in reply? Unless I receive Guru's grace, reading the poti is a futile exercise. It is even more difficult to understand. This much, Baba, I tell you quite frankly. Baba said while reading the poti, you do so very hastily. Now sit near me and read it in front of me. What shall I read? Asked Deo, and Baba commanded him to read the chapter on spiritual matter. That is chapter nine. I got up to bring the poti, and my eyes opened immediately. Deo was wide awake. Listeners can imagine what he must have thought as he remembered his dreaming state. After years of waiting, who will worry as to what Baal obeys the command properly, whether or not he reads the poti daily, whether he follows the discipline and the practice regularly, or what does he make a mistake due to some reason or the other? Who will observe this all the time? Who else but Mother Sai herself will personally prove how careful a reader must be, where he should pay special attention, and so on. Such is the lila of Sai Samarth. Such is the celebration of self-rejoicing, which I have seen innumerable devotees enjoying with my own eyes. Now let us all listeners surrender humbly at the Guru's lotus feet and listen later to the novelty of the next chapter at the proper time. Remembering Sri Sai Samarth, Hema prostrates in obeisance at his feet with pure blessings, feelings, and surrenders with faith and devotion. For all that alone will remove all the sorrows of worldly life. Sai alone is all his material striving. Sai alone is all his material striving. Sai who brings the highest bliss is only spiritual striving. For Sai alone will bring him fulfilment. Such is the firm faith. Will be to all here is the forty-first chapter of Sri Sai Samarth Satchari, called Sai's kindness and conferring of grace, as inspired by the saints and the virtuous and composed by the devotee Hemad Pant. So we have ended this chapter over here.